So welcome. My name is Halen. I just Halen. <laughs> um, I was thinking about how the introduction in the Old Testament to so many people is the whoever and the who the their parents are. So I'll say I'm the daughter of Chris and Jill. Jill's over there. I come from a long line of Sunday school teachers and Bible music singers. Um, and I've been in Corky and Sharon's family for almost 20 years, if you count the dating years too. And I've been a part of the family of the fellowship since I was in third grade. So I feel like this is like, I, I am who I am. My parents are who they are because of this place and because of who we are and the DNA of the fellowship of freedom, of experiential Christianity, of worship, of believing that Jesus is who he says he is and that God is with us and transforms our life. That is who I am. And it's because of this place. And so I'm so grateful to be here and to be speaking. Um, I am excited to be speaking on Psalm 23. We've been teaching it uh, in children's church the last month. And me and my kids have been studying it this summer. And it started with us making some little bracelets that had white for sheep and green for pastures and blue for uh, the waters. And it was so fun to just go to that uh, simple explanation of everything. So if any of you are feeling like faith feels complicated and you're not sure what or if you believe, sign up to teach children's church because it brings it back to the basics. And there's something so refreshing about the questions of children and explaining things on a simple, at a simple level, that's so refreshing. So there's your plug for children's church. <laughs> it's real though. It's such a blessing to teach children about Jesus and about God. Um, so shepherd, Psalm 23, shepherds, this is often called the shepherd song. I'm going to start by reading uh, out of the New Living Translation. I purposely didn't choose NIV or New King James because it's familiar. And sometimes when we have familiar verses, we don't even read or listen and they're a little bit boring. So I wanted to do something just a little bit different so that hopefully some of these words will stick out to us. Why don't you read with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This is the word of God for us today. Amen. Yes, I love it. I love Psalm 23 right now because I feel like I'm in this interesting place, and maybe some of you are in where you're unlearning things that you thought you knew about God. Uh, what parts of my faith are American evangelical culture and not actually a belief and something that actually matters at the end of the day? I've been sifting through different things of my faith, wondering, does this would this still be true if I lived in poverty and in a third world country? 
would this still be true if I lived in an underground church and I was alone and not in community? Would this still be true? So I've kind of been going through the sifting and it's been good. Psalm 23 holds. It still, I feel like in every sense, it feels like the simplicity of who God is. When I think about what I want to teach my children about who God is, it's that God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. God is for you. God has abundant life for you. God wants to be with you. God is with you. And it's just all these verbs about presence. And that's what Psalm 23 feels like to me. It's that God is with us. It's all about presence and it's all about abundance. And that's the life, the with God life. So uh, let's go to that first slide, Caleb. I wanted to start with the David story. Shepherds are obviously familiar to the society uh, uh, back in David's day to the people of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Rebekah, the daughters of Jethro. We have all these stories of shepherds. Um, there's prophetic words about shepherds as leaders and priests. The people of God often were called a sheep without a shepherd when they didn't have a king. Um, thinking about Jesus and the birth of Jesus, who he was announced to as shepherds. So they have an important part as familiar as they are in the stories of the Bible. Um, and when we think about this being David's story. I think about him he, when he was anointed or supposed to be anointed, he was off with his sheep. So even his own story of being anointed and his head being blessed by Samuel and him coming into who he's meant to be, he was living out this shepherd life. And if there's someone who knows about the in-between life of abundance and their reality, it's David. That he was anointed to be king, but was not. That he was pursued by someone, by, by the current king. That he could, in his psalms and songs, say, where are you, God? Why, oh God? Why do the evil prosper? All these things. And also bless the Lord, oh my soul. You are my strength. You are my rock. You are protection. And also why? And I'm so scared. And I'm so angry. And I have all these feelings. Jesus, David teaches us that we can bring all of our feelings to God and also still acknowledge who God is. That by having those feelings doesn't discredit who God is. So I love that David lives in this in-between liminal space of what we might be experiencing and what we know can be true and that they could be true at the same time. It's a mystery of the kingdom of God. Um, thinking about when David says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I wondered why did he not say something else? He uses so many other ways, uh, descriptions, adjectives to describe God. Uh, especially, he uses a lot of, uh, what's the word I said? Can't find it. Like things like impersonal, rock, fortress shield, these objects to describe God. And then also redeemer and king, like these big, big things. But shepherd is his most tender way of explaining God. And that is, to me, is so beautiful because that is who he was. And that's how he experienced God. God meets us where we are. So for David, of course, he's a tender, loving shepherd who is all consumed with his sheep, who sleeps in the nighttime with his sheep and stays during the day and is aware of every predator and knows where the meadows are and knows where the water is going to be and cares for sheep and knows their different personalities and who has what order in the pecking situation. It's not chickens. 
but it's similar. They, they have a lot of headbutting, you know? Um, how beautiful that the way David sees God is in David's everyday life. There's a part of me that loves the picture of Jesus as our shepherd and God as our shepherd, but I really don't like me as a sheep. Because, you know, there's just all the stories about how dumb sheep are and they're following each, uh, each other off cliffs. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not dumb. Like, we're doing pretty good as humans for most of stuff. So if you're like me and get a little bit ornery about the sheep thing, I'm just letting <laughs> I'm working on my pride issues, obviously. But also, I'm just celebrating the fact that God met David where he was and is the shepherd. And so that's one of my uh, offerings and questions for you today is where does God want to meet you today? God is your shepherd, but also he's probably something different to you. When my dad explains the gospel to people, God is a rancher. And doesn't that make the most beautiful sense? Because that's how my dad grew up. That's how he met the Lord. And that is his formative years on a ranch. So of course God is the best rancher. You know, so however you experiencing, however you experience God, I guess that there's even part of you that wants to diminish how you see God or the ways that make sense to you. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay, Jesus. We look at the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. And Jesus says he's the good shepherd. I'm going to read John 10, starting in verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Heal, kill, kill, still, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's just a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I wanted to read that specifically because it acknowledges that there is a thief that wants to still kill and destroy our life and our joy. And that Jesus says, I'm not only the opposite of the thief, I'm the opposite of a hired hand. So I wonder if there might be some of us here today that have had experiences with hired hands, people that should have taken care of us and should have protected us and led us somewhere good, and they didn't. And I want to offer, I'm sorry, for one, and also invite us to see Jesus not as a hired hand, but someone who truly and only the, the only person that has our best interests and abundant, can give us an abundant life. Okay, let's look at Psalm 23. Let's go to that first verse, Caleb. So let's think of words of presence as we start here. I purposely put in some wonderful illustrations, very fine art from my, all my children's Bibles, because I wanted us to remember to have eyes and faith like children as we look at some of this. The, the word Lord is the Jehovah word for God. So this would have been... Uh, the big word for God. This is creator God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And David puts that word in with shepherd. Again, that in-between space that David lives in, the bigness of God 
and the most familiar word of shepherd. And he says, my, he didn't have to say my, he could have said he is the good shepherd, but he says my, because that's his experience. He knows firsthand the belonging and tenderness of God as a shepherd. Isaiah um, 40 verse 11 says, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young or the nursing mothers. So tender. That word, I shall not want, or I have all that I need, that word is hasar, and it means to lack, to be without, to decrease, to be made less, to be diminished. We will not be diminished when we are with the shepherd. There's a part of giving yourself to the Lord, a part of giving yourself to the care of a shepherd that is a surrender of your own ability to take care of yourself. And that is such a countercultural message to us today. I think especially for women, like we are so empowered right now. We can do anything. And also I'm saying, I need you, God. I, I can't do everything. But also, Abby, you can do anything you want to do and you can be anything you want to be. And also we come to God and say, I need you and I want to follow in your ways. I'm, I'm not going to find my own pastures and water that will be the best thing for me. I'm saying, God, you will. And that's another one of those mysteries of the kingdom of God. When we say, I can't, I can't do it all. I need you, God. I'm going to give myself to you and surrender. He makes us more. The math doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It is a multiply situation, not a subtraction situation. When we are made less and acknowledge our need and give ourselves to the Lord, he somehow gives abundance instead of where we're saying I'm empty I can't do this. And then in God's economy, it's more. And this, I feel like I've been wrestling with this for the last several weeks of, do I need God? How much do I need God? What have I done on my own? How much of this was God? I've been trying to figure out the math of my life and it, it doesn't add up. It, it doesn't. And again, tell, I'm working on the pride stuff. I'm, I see it. I see it. It's ugly, but that's just, I think part of, following Jesus is it's a constant returning back to God. So your shepherd is with you presence, 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 and he is taking care of your need. You are not diminished or made less when you are with the shepherd. Okay. Let's go to that next one, Caleb. He makes me lie down that, or this version says he lets me rest. That word is, uh, there's a definite action of him doing something to make us rest. It's a word that implies it's robots and it implies the crouched resting position. Do you get this on the video? It's like this. A crouched resting position of a sheep or other animal that's in a state of relaxation. It implies no fear of predators or starvation. I think about my dog on a couch when their, their legs go like that and they spread out. It's total relaxation and that there's no fear. What a gift in our hustle culture where we have to work so hard to get everything we want and need and all the things all the time. And it never stops with our phones, with our access, with our information. We honestly could never stop hustling and trying to provide for our own self and our own ways. And in this, I feel like there's a, there's an echo here of Sabbath. I've made a way for you to not, overdo it. I've made a way for you to have deep rest 
that comes from me. And it's up to us if we're going to do it and, and get quiet and be still. And sometimes the shepherd has to take the sheep and fold them up and say, now it's time. Go to bed. Stop eating. Stop doing all the things. Philip Keller wrote a little book called, well, I don't know if it's little, it's on the Kindle. A shepherd looks at Psalm 23. I really do recommend it. It's always on sale for like $1.29. So you should pick it up. He writes that sheep do not lie down easily and they will not lie down unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because they are social, they will not lie down if there's friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites are troubling them, they won't lie down. And then finally, if sheep are anxious about food or if they're hungry, they won't lie down. So this is his quote. Rest comes because your good shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. Isn't that beautiful? It's a lot though, because that's us acknowledging all those things exist, they're real, and we're looking to our shepherd to take care of them for us instead of us trying to do it all on our own. So there's this wrestling of, am I going to do it on my own? Do I do it all on my own? Or am I looking to God to say, we're doing this together, or you're doing it, and I think I'm helping. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> um here's something interesting. There's not a section about the sheep eating. There's later about the table prepared for me in the presence of my enemies, but it's not, there's nothing about the sheep eating. It's about that they're resting and they're being led to water. And I think it's because sheep are always eating. It's all they do. Who said that? Was that Lori? Lori, she knows about sheep. Okay. So sheep are always eating. Their heads stay down. And that's part of why they get dumb is because their heads stay down and they're, they just got sheep behind in front of them, and they're just following and eating. Guys, that's not funny. That's just real sheep life. <laughs> hey, wait. Since we're talking about sheep behinds, sheep also will drink <laughs> from anything in front of them, and so they drink a lot of each other's pee because they just drink puddles. Isn't that so gross? Ugh. We, that's why I'm like, we're not sheep. Yuck, ew, we are not sheep. We are better than this. But when your heads are down, you're just doing what's in front of you. And as much as I like to think, I'm not doing just whatever's happening in front of me and what I see on Instagram and buying whatever people are buying. If we were to be honest, who do we follow? Like, these are hard things to really think about. Okay, can we go to that next picture? Oh, also, did you guys notice that the background of the one before this was the Wind Rivers? You knew that, didn't you, Mark? Yeah, that's Wind Rivers. Um, okay, the next picture is from one of my children's book, and it says, sometimes the sheep eat all the grass in one good place, and the shepherd knows they have to move on. Sometimes... We stay in a pasture that has no grass. And that's another thing I think about lifting our head up and seeing, is there anything here? Is this an old pasture? And that's a hard thing to realize. Okay, if I am actually going to be following my shepherd, he's leading me to a good new place that's green and it's going to actually feed me. And maybe this pasture was good, but there's no grass anymore. And actually, if the sheep stay in a 
in a pasture that doesn't have grass, they start eating the roots of things and then they get exposed and then parasites in the soil are exposed and the sheep are eating those and they get all over their skin and there's all these gross sheep skin diseases. So that's part of why a shepherd is always moving his sheep to new pastures is because there's actual danger if they're eating a, the dirt or the roots and if they eat too far down. Okay, next one is he restores my soul or renews my strength. That restore word is shub, and it means recover, refresh, relieve, to render again, to rescue, restore, to go home. We're in this constant place of God. This says renew my strength, and that also is a soul word. He renews my soul. There is this uh, really cool website I found that took every verse uh, in the Hebrew and then expanded on it. It was almost like Amplified Bible for Hebrew, and this was their expanded translation of this section. The good shepherd will return my breath to me, and I will be restored. He will guide me down the well-worn paths in the correct direction, because that is his character and his reputation. And isn't that a nice reminder, too, that like it's going to keep happening. We're always going to need to be restored in Jesus. And how does he guide his sheep? It's close by its proximity, its presence. Again, it's a nudge, a tap, a whistle. It's a dog, but it's close by. It's the crook of uh, the shepherd's staff. And that, that lead word, uh, he, or that guide me along right path, it's, it looks the same as he guides me to the green pastures or the waters, one of those. Um, but it's a different word because it implies an unknown location. So we obviously don't know what's going to happen in our lives, but God is leading us. And there's peace in knowing that your shepherd has actually gone before you. Part of being a good shepherd is that there's preparation and finding all the good pastures and knowing where the water sources are and actually going up through those dark, ugly canyons to get to the mountain pastures, the preparing of the table before you. God's interaction with you is not spur of the moment. There's preparation and care in how he interacts with each of us. So our next section, I'm, okay, I got eight, I got eight minutes. We're doing okay. 11. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's the fun part. We're going to get to the change of location and a change of tone. Even though I walk through the valleys, the, the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. So we have a change of tone here where we went from the Lord is my shepherd. He takes care of me. There's like this nice interaction to I will not be afraid because you are close behind me. When we think about when we're in those dark, terrible places, those shadowy places that feel like they're closing in on us, there's a temptation for us. Maybe it's not a temptation. Maybe it's just reality where we are saying, you, God, what is happening and what are you going to do about it? And why are you doing this? Or why are you not doing something else? But that's not what David does. He says, for you are close beside me, like they're holding hands. Isn't that a beautiful picture of how we can be in those hard, terrible places? That's part of our act of faith is saying, I recognize this is hard, but my shepherd is with me. Um, so change of location. Shepherds move seasonally from pastures by their home to pastures up in the mountain at different times. So part of getting to the mountain pastures is going through the valleys that get up to those plateaus. And oftentimes they're through these canyons and the, the valley word is definitely like a big wall, really tall, not sure how to get out word. Um, clearly I'm 
a scholar in these words. Um, it is really fun though, even though I don't describe them perfectly. Um, one of the reasons a shepherd will take his sheep through those canyons to get to the plateaus is because that is where the water sources are. So in the midst of those journeys of hard places, we do have water. We do have refreshing. And it's not just uh, a random stream, but it's living water himself next to us. That is the glory of a with us God. Is it no matter what is going on, we have God with us, and that is our source of strength and life and refreshing. That with me word is actually, uh, Caleb, will you go, you go back? Let me see if I put it on here. Oh yeah, that with me word, Imadi, it's not just with me, it's standing with me or helping me stand. God is helping us stand through these hard places. At this point, we have 26 Hebrew words behind us and we have 26 words to go. This is our middle point and it's with me. And doesn't that feel like the story of God? We have God who wanted to be with his people and set up this whole system so he could show them, here's how you interact with me. Here's how we do it. And we're gonna do it different than the ways of the world. And here's what worship can be. And here's how you interact with your community. And here's how you be with me. And then Jesus comes and says, I am your with I'm, I'm your God that's with you. I come from heaven and I gave up my life there to be with you here. And I'm going to show you a different way of life so that we can be with each other. And it's not just for the Jews anymore, but it's for the Gentiles and for everyone, everyone who's on the outskirts, everyone who doesn't think that they belong in my kingdom. I am with them. You're going to be with them. This is the kingdom of God, is the with us life. And I love it. That's the center point of this whole thing. Because that feels like, I think that's why I am a Christian. It's because he's with us. It's because we're with each other. This is it. Oh, that's so good. Okay, this next section, I didn't make a slide for it, Caleb. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. These are obviously the tools that a shepherd would use to lead and guide and protect. Um, I love it. They still are proximate. They're still close by. Um, I listened to this thing where it said that a shepherd really likes to be like, three feet away from a shepherd. That's his favorite distance. And it's just pretty much a shepherd's crook. And sometimes a shepherd, oh, this is like the cutest thing. They'll walk with the crook of their, their staff on the shepherd's or on the sheep's neck, like a little leash, like they're just buddies. They can't hold hands. So this is what they do. Cute, cute little shepherds. <laughs> um, the rod and staff are important because sheep are not, uh, typically fence in. They weren't in David's time. They're really left to fend for themselves. So there's always this bringing them back together and knowing where the predators are and where are the poisonous plants. Um, knowing everything about what could get in the way of these sheep's health. And then the, that rod and that staff are there for the shepherd to actively work at um, bringing them together, keeping them safe. Um, the staff also is used for when newborn lambs are born and bringing them to their mother to nurse so that the shepherd won't get his smell on the sheep, just like with baby birds. So there's just so much tenderness in how a shepherd uses these things. So even though they sound so ugly and like discipline, they're really just protection and safety and keeping the sheep together and with the shepherd. 
And for us today, uh, typically how people talk about the rod and the staff are the words of God and the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons I loved uh, starting thinking about Psalm 23 is I thought it was realistic for my kids and me to memorize together. So I think about all those times in the middle of the night as a little kid, the Psalms that would go through my head when I was afraid and how in worship, things that bubble out of me are the things I memorized and the silly kid songs that we grew up singing on tapes. And there is a beauty and a lifeline of having God's word truly deep down in our hearts. Because when you don't have words, those are the things that come up. Those are our borrowed prayers. Those are our borrowed um, connections to God when we don't have words. And when we're sitting like I, in tear and in intercession, those are the things that come out of us. I also love that the rod and the staff are so tactile. Uh, and every, really everything about a shepherd and a sheep is so real. It's a shepherd going through the wool of his sheep to see what's going on in their skin. And it's anointing a sheep with oil to make sure the flies aren't getting up their nose and laying their disgusting eggs and making a sinus infection. Guys, that is so, that is so hands-on. I don't know why people would be shepherds. It's so much work. So much. And if they sleep with, it is nonstop. A good shepherd. You could hire it out, but those ones don't care about their sheep. So one of my prayers is that we would experience God in this tactile way of how a, she- a good shepherd takes care of its sheep. Um, okay, this next verse. You prepare a table, a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. This is no shepherd's meal in a bag. This is a real feast. And I wondered, is this like, you know, before a big fight and everyone has their tents, I'm imagining like Narnia, a big feast, and you can see the enemies over the distance. But all the words in in the Hebrew here, it's like the face, your face is in front of your enemy's face, and we're all looking at each other's faces over this table. So it feels not far away. It's not like the enemy's over those hills and we know they're coming. It's your face in front of your enemy's face and this table that's between us. And that is the way of God to say there is abundance in the midst. And here, do I have any English English majors in the room? This word enemy is not a noun. It's a verb. No, no one else cares. Okay, this is fine. <laughs> Sarah, when you listen to this later, you're going to love it. The word enemy is a verb that means to be cramped up, to be confined, to be pressed down. It's that feeling that happens. It's not an actual enemy in front of us. It's the feeling of when we are being diminished again. And God is saying, no, you will not be diminished when you are with me. You will be made abundant. There is a table. I have prepared it. I've gone before you. You are not to be made less when you are with me. You are made to be more. And this is a table that shows you that and it's tactile and it's real it is so exciting right and if we want to take it further it's jesus it's communion it's the blood and it's the body and it's the whole story that this is what's in front of us between the face of our enemies and what we are experiencing here we always have the table before us we are like a walking, like one of those people at the circus that have like all their things in front of them. Like we always have the table with us. It is here. Oh, I'm going to regret that analogy, I think. Surely your goodness 
It is a sure thing. It is a sure thing that goodness and love will be chasing you all the days of your life. It is a sure thing. There is nothing you can do. The goodness and the love is chasing you. And uh, I feel bad about the the translation that says follow, because that just sounds so, I don't know, boring. (laughs) Uh, There's a quote by this guy, Charlie Bird. He's an Old Testament scholar, and he said, so redaf that chase that uh, follow word it's to chase after to pursue so there's some speed in it too there's some passion this charlie bird quote says the goodness and mercy of god do not follow us like a good little puppy dog trailing along behind us rather they gallop after us like a celestial stallion as in the famous poem by francis thompson the lord's goodness and mercy chase us down labyrinth paths like the hound of heaven they stay hot on our heels the divine love and grace of our shepherd redaph us all the way to heaven's gates into the arms of God. Amen. Amen. But sometimes we have to turn around to see it. Like I think about, is that me right now being like, I'm doing great. Meanwhile, there's goodness and mercy that's pushing me into my life. And I'm like, I don't know, God, are you doing anything or is it me? Like, this is so dumb that I'm arguing with God about this. Like, that's the wind. Like, that's like the chariot of fire music. It's the goodness and mercy of God that's chasing us and leading us into the abundant life that God wants for us. Like, that's why we get to be with him is because he's healing us and making us whole and giving us that life of freedom that Monica talked about. Like, this is the goodness of God and it's for you. Amen. I love Jesus so much. (sighs) Okay, I want to bless all of us. Can we all stand together and I have something I want to pray over us? Or you don't have to stand, Quirky. Okay, for all of us today, a blessing. For those of us that wrestle with being sheep because we're way smarter than them and clearly not dumb and we're not following our friends off cliffs, may we have honest eyes and humble hearts. May we trust today that we know the voice of the shepherd because we are gods. May we see how the good shepherd is tenderly caring for us, carrying us like precious children in loving and capable arms. May we all lift up our heads today and notice where we are. What is the water we're drinking from? What does the pasture look like that we're trying to feed ourselves from? We thank you, God, for how you fed us. And now we look to you, good shepherd, for where we go next. May we look behind us and see the good past that we've come from and maybe the not so good past. May we remember how the gentle crook felt around us as we were lovingly corrected and righted onto a better way. May we feel the hand of the shepherd on us through shadowy nights, the reality of death and predators and fear in the unknown places where the walls seem high and the light far away. And may we all find streams of refreshing, the living water, even there. May we see the feast set before us in the face of our reality, in the face before us of the enemy, in those feelings that press us down. And may we see the abundant life that is blooming in and among us. 
May we be filled up, overflowing with abundant joy and peace, which is a miracle. The joy and the peace from God is a miracle in and of itself. May we be anointed by the Spirit of God that is pointing to you, Jesus, galloping after us with goodness and love all of our days. This is a sure thing. Amen.